Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience, powered by Gasoline Alley Harley-Davidson. My guest today is Belinda Gavin. Belinda is an event manager, personal trainer, and has worked in the adult entertainment industry since the mid-90s. Belinda has this incredible outlook on life and has lived so many fantastic experiences over her time. For those of you that listen with your kids in the car on the way to school or something like that, I should just give you a bit of a content warning just to say probably don't for this one. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Hit subscribe on our YouTube and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Welcome, Belinda Gavin. Hey, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. No, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And uh, if we could have recorded our conversation last week, uh, that's probably a podcast in itself, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, I mean, I can talk the leg off a chair. Yeah, I realise. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just tell me when to stop. No, no, no. It's a podcast, so we can go for whatever. No rules. Um, but yeah, who's Belinda Gavin? Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much. Firstly, I've watched uh, a number of your other podcasts and there's some amazing people that you've interviewed. So I feel really blessed that you've invited me here today. And who is Belinda Gavin? Belinda Gavin is such a big entity now. Um, I've broken off into a number of parts as well, but Belinda was, well, is me, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but is the, I guess corporate side of me and there's probably a number of people that are laughing about that because sometimes I'm not so corporate but it's the more corporate side of my entity. Kylie Wyote is the other side that's a way more fun and uh, naughty and yeah out of control most of the time. So it's been nice to be able to kind of break them off I guess and uh, yeah I've always kind of had this party vibe. It hasn't stopped so yep. it was nice to be able to break Kylie off a little bit and sometimes go and just have fun as Kylie and not be Belinda Gavin, who's the producer, or the corporate, the the workaholic business head that's always kind of, you know, what's the business side of all of this fun? Yeah. And it wasn't, well, actually, we'll get straight into it because it was probably Paul Morris who gave me the opportunity to be an event manager. Wow. Uh, and yeah, I didn't, I had been obviously an event manager in the past, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was a, a producer of film, TVs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then parties, you know, in, in the States, you called it a promoter. Yeah. So we promoted parties back then. Uh, and then after I came back from the States in about 2000, the end of 2008, after a 25 year stint, uh, I. Yeah, started working at the driving center, which is now the Norwell Motorplex. Yep. And we had some amazing fun times out there, including drive days like Legends Day, which was, you know, um, God, uh, uh, John Bow, uh, a whole bunch of legends that just blew my mind that day. But yeah, from there, we did a lot of other things, corporate days, uh, stunt driving, a whole uh, multitude of stuff that happened out at the driving center that still does. Mind you, war, which was Wednesday afternoon racing, uh, go-karts, which they still do, I think, all of that stuff. But yeah, that was the first of the event managing. The, then I went on to <clears throat> be the event manager for the Candy Shop Mansion. Yep. And Travis Bainan and I have been friends for 25 years. We'd met in Miami, Florida as models. And yeah, that was incredible. I mean, Travis and I just weirdly ran into each other all over the world and we would just kept going, we're gonna have the best parties in Australia. And you know, he is an amazing guy. Yeah. And I don't think most people get to see the side of Travis. Oh, I'm getting verklempt. Don't get to see the side of Travis that I get to see. <laughs> Woo! Um, because yeah, 
the Candyman is his AKA as well. So mm. you know what I mean? It's his – he doesn't even barely drink. So wow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like a persona that he creates to give himself that out as well and – you know, he's a showman and that's where he can be the showman. The other side of him is very, very strictly business and Travis is the biggest gentleman I've ever met in my life. I remember first working there and, and being – we travelled a lot. That's a that's a whole long story as well we can get back to. But, yeah, we, we travelled one time. I remember being in an elevator and him waiting. I'm like, what's he waiting for? He was waiting for all the girls to get out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he holds the doors, stuff like that that's like, yeah, you know – People have a, an opinion. Everyone's titled to an opinion, but I love it when I meet people and they're like, oh, yeah, that Candyman, da-da-da, la-la-la-la. I'm like, yeah. oh, so you know him? And they're like, oh, no, but, you know, we've seen this and we've seen that. I'm like, oh, so what makes you think that? Yeah. What I love that, that, that whole fly on the wall thing that people have no idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm one of his best friends. I mean, <laughs> I can say I'm one of his best friends because I am <clears throat> probably the – I used to work for him, but, you know, someone who he hangs out with regularly that doesn't work there. And we became, you know, close friends. I'd never been with the Candyman, just putting that out there. We, he, he sees me like a sister. Yeah. So it's like a brother-sister relationship uh, that, you know, I, I ended up running. We did have the biggest parties, I'd say, in the world, but let alone in a backyard. Um I could give you a, a bunch of statistics, but just to let you know, so from the when I first started there to when I ended, the budget was probably like 500 grand for one of the first parties. Yeah. And the last party we had, it was $1.5 million. I'll repeat that, 1.5. I mean, party. for a party for 12 hours in a backyard. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the stage was 16 meters wide by 20 meters high. The Alcohol bill is sixty thousand dollars. The um, the entrance is yeah. I mean the stage was like over two hundred fifty grand. The entrance yep. is a hundred over a hundred grand. I mean we had a magician uh, Matt Hollywood who's amazing come in and just do an amazing job with Travis. And I mean I will never tell, but I'm standing there during the illusion. And just holding my breath, just like, is this going to work? You know what I mean? It's that good. It's, it was that good, but there was no rehearsal. We couldn't see it, you know what I mean? And if you're organizing a, a large event like that, you know, we had 1,200 people, I had 300 staff. It's uh, obviously it takes How many six staff? months. 300. At a house party? Yeah. Well, that was, yeah. that's performers, you know, um, food trucks, uh, we had 60 models that are the angels and things like that. That Yeah, it's out of control. Wow. We have makeup trucks. We have, you know, touch-up areas. But, yeah, there's always – when we're trying to do this stunt, because always Travis likes to arrive in a stunt, uh, it's breath-holding. So I'm, like, holding my breath as well. as I usually have two earpieces in. One is for the staff. Well, one is for the, the – um, what am I going to say? The The – the stage and yep. the, the stunt staff. Yep. The other is for general staff and me talking and two phones. So you can imagine how, how crazy it is. And, yeah, I mean, Travis has an amazing team. Uh, I always said that they were a corporate team that had to learn events really quickly. Wow. And they did that. And, yeah, it was always just like, whew, 
With Matt Hollywood, though, it was like, oh, <laughs> my God, they did it. And it looked amazing. And, yeah, we have done some really amazing things there. And I think for me and Travis, I know, he films the whole thing and then he, he you know, has an after movie. But he loves watching everybody have fun. And, you know, it's 70% girls. Yep. Which when I started that, I was like, Travis, you can't do that. Well, after having some guys, I was like, okay, 100% girls, 100% girls. (laughs) I mean, you know, they get pretty messy and stuff like that, but they're very comfortable. It's a safe environment. Um, You know, there's, we have our own ambulance on set and our own triage, just like any big festival would do. And yeah, we never, one party, the first party I worked at, we had, some problems after that i made sure that we didn't have any problems wow did you ever think like your first meeting with travis um that you'd be able to host a party like that in australia hell yeah yeah hell yeah straight away we had the first party when i arrived back in 2208 it was i was riding my bike like i said travis and i run into each other all the time yep uh we ran into each other bike riding because he still rides from paradise point well hope island where he lives to surface every day like at 4 30 in the morning and we ran into each other. I said, dude, I am so bored here. Can you please have a party? So March is his birthday. So March 209, we had the first Candy Shop Mansion party. And it was it was pretty, pretty good. It was a pretty good start. Can you hear that noise? Yeah, it's one of the Harley Davidson. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know what that is. Yeah, I should have told oh, you that. Oh, yeah. So we're above the service center too. It so, sounds uh... good. I'm like, ooh. Um, so yeah, we, we just grew it from there. Yeah. Uh, Travis met his now uh, current wife, Taisha, at that party. So then they had a few kids. So it kind of slowed down for a few years and then it started back up again. Uh, And I started with them 2016, I believe, which we didn't employ me to run the parties. He employed me because they were going racing. Mm. And I was involved with V8 Supercars and I was actually involved with Paul with the race team that they were set up with. They were all really excited. And uh, I'd worked with this team before and I made some suggestions and it didn't stick. Long story short there, yeah, V8 Supercars or whoever it was wouldn't allow Travis to put the stickers on his car. We went around and around with all of that. Uh, And in the end, long story short there, Travis decided to race himself, which Paul Morris helped us out there as well. And mm-hmm. uh, a couple of little names, I think um, Anton. Anton was his, yeah. was Travis's like assistant on one of his first races. And, you know, he got the help that you really can't buy. I mean, Paul did a massive favor and Travis did well. I mean, for a year racing, you know what I mean? He really, he's very good at processing things and putting it to, to use. And he worked hard at it and yeah, yeah did well in a, in the trophy series, the GT trophy series, which is a gentleman's series, I would call it. It was in the Audi R8. That's right, isn't it? It was in the Audi R8, yep. Yeah. And uh, that was a whole deal in itself. And, you know, I'm a pretty positive person and I, I was taught that if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But so the nice part of that is Paul Morris did that and his team did that car over. There were some things that were wrong with that car and Travis was racing around in it. So the guy who sold it to him, I don't know whether he didn't know what he was doing or if he didn't care. 
But mm. Paul was actually really angry when he, him and the team at uh, Norwell had pulled the car apart and he's texting me going, blah, blah, do you know this and do you know that? And I'm like, oh God. Like to where the, the, um, the fire extinguisher yeah. was out of date. Fine. But when Paul deployed it, it didn't even go off. I imagine if a situation exactly yeah. yeah and then we had some situations because travis was very pedal to the metal and he um rode drove hard and yeah it cost him a bunch because he trailed the car a little bit but he did well you know he came from the back of the pack and started leading and i wish he had done more but that was his thing and he had a really great time doing it and then yeah then we've had some quiet times um 2009 i think slowed down Yep. And at that point, uh, I had met, I'd been trying to get Travis into Sexpo for a while. And the new owners, Kevin Mack, who's an amazing young entrepreneur, uh, approached me about having Travis involved. And I said, yeah, he's, I've been trying to get him in for years. So we talked a lot. I went to the Brisbane one in 2009 and it was really fun. And I thought, wow, this guy's really brought some new blood to the, the show. Yep. And I really love what he does. He also does the Australian tattoo expos and festivals that are amazing shows. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've not ever seen 300 tattoo artists in one area, definitely worth the look. Um, so I guess towards the end... Uh, October-ish. It, it, I don't know when the conversation started, but at some point he's. I realized that he needed more help. And I was like, what are you guys, how are you going to run Sexpo? What are you going to do? So we talked a bit and then I went to Melbourne and had a look at his offices and, and set up. And uh, he put an offer to me. Wow. So, yeah, I said to Trav, I'm like, you know, what are, what are we doing? I was not, I was not doing... I was not organizing a party, so I knew that we weren't having a party. I yeah. was like, what's going on here? And it was kind of, I'd been there, uh, I think, two and a half years or something. And anyway, this was a dream job. Um, Melbourne's like my New York City. You know, I tried to go back to the States 2006, right before I started working with Travis. And that didn't end up how I wanted it to. That's another <laughs> podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's another story. But yeah, so I went down and uh, October 1st, I started with the uh, Australian Exhibition Group as head of operations and we finished the year out strong. Sexpo 2019, Melbourne was an amazing show. I mean, including pre-parties, post-parties. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. 300, over 300 exhibitors, over 20,000 people through the doors over a weekend, you know, working in an exhibition hall like the Melbourne uh, Exhibition Centre is like, amazing yeah you know just being in there and and the vibe and everything it was just an incredible show so we were set for a big 2020 with four shows um sydney sydney melbourne brisbane perth not in that order but uh march is when we had uh, the australian tattoo expo in sydney mm -hmm. and obviously we were we were ready to go sold out show and uh, the 17th of March was Ooh. COVID. Yeah. yeah. So the 20th of March was supposed to be our show. So that's how close we were with COVID. It was really, well, get, get the clump just thinking about the whole thing again. It was really, it was like a baseball bat, hit, bat had hit you in the head. And, you know, there were some people in our team that didn't really recover after this time. Mm. Uh, and we all probably remember how 
devastating it was <clears throat> to be in the situation. Um, Kevin Mack had built this company to what it was and, you know, cut to now after two years. I mean, we did the same. We pulled our, pulled our socks back up again. We got back on the road and, and 2021, we gun gung-ho for good shows. We had pulled Sexpo back to two shows. So we were supposed to do 10 shows a year. Wow. That's four tattoo expos, four sexpos, and two uh, tattoo festivals in Sydney and Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So 2020, we did none. Yeah. As an events company. Yeah. So yeah. we had, we just moved into new offices. Uh, it was devastating, devastating. <clears throat> so we regrouped. I came to Queensland, sat in quarantine, and, uh, you know, then just like looked at the whole situation, was, was really grateful to be in Australia, to be safe, I feel, you know, yeah. in both both states, you know. I mean, Victoria's taken a hard beating and I can't even imagine being Dan Andrews. I mean, it's like if Australians would kind of look outside their little box and realise how lucky they are, I think that they would maybe give some of the politicians a break. I'm not saying that, that I agree with everything that yeah. they do. I'm not saying that. But be a terrible time to be a leader. It'd be terrible time. I mean, yep. I know people in the States and it is just crazy over there. My little brother is still in California and it is crazy. You know, we are very, very lucky here. I'm very, maybe it feels like we're overprotected, but at least we're protected. And and God knows what's going to happen. I mean, we have a new strain. So, but yeah, so I came back up here uh, in the beginning of the year 2021, went back to Melbourne and we started once again, ready for our 10 shows. Yeah. Here Long story <laughs> short there, yeah, we got one show. We got Brisbane Tattoo out of the way, which was amazing. It was just great to be back doing events, um, seeing everyone together again, you know, seeing people that survived because there were a lot of people that didn't survive. And so we, Kevin made an amazing plan. We listened to the government and he followed the government's uh, advice that everyone would be vaccined by, I think it was the end of July. Right. So we had our shows. We had basically three shows in a row, Sydney, Tattoo, Sexpo, then Melbourne, Tattoo, Sexpo, all in a row, back to back. The yep. last, the end of the year was going to be really crazy, but we were happy to get shows off. Anyway, obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> so I can't laugh about it, but, um, you know, the way that the company has handled it has been really strong and really, you know, steadfast. We have survived, which is a huge thing. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and then what, what happened was one of the exhibitors actually called the Aussie fans uh, approached me to do some uh, work for them. So I've just been, you know, um, contracting for them, helping out with media, helping out with PR. And that's how we got here. So this is how that relationship formed from the that's, shows? Yeah, from, from the Australian Exhibition Group yep. because they were going to be um, an exhibitor and I loved their idea, like as Aussie fans, like, come on, during COVID, yeah, I started my OnlyFans. So having an Aussie replica or a similar type of... Aussie fans is a little more than OnlyFans because it's an entertainment platform. So that's what I love about them is that it's not just about, you know, getting your pants off or, you know, seeing a bunch of X-rated stuff. It's more so about, like, entertaining. Yeah. You know, I like – and it's also like a LinkedIn of the adult industry mm -hmm. and, you know, a community within a community, so to speak. So – the fans are obviously the people that were entertaining and the adult in, adult industry 
is obviously creating the entertainment. I think it's amazing because in Australia they don't really have much of an adult industry per se because firstly you're not allowed to shoot porn. So it's you know it's a very very grey type of area yeah. that uh, we have to deal with here. A lot of Australian stars have to go overseas. You know um, Angela White, Isabel Del Tor, You know those kind of girls um, make their money overseas and not really here. And like. It's the only way to be able to um, be paid for your work. Absolutely. Having a fan subscription-based service. It's the first time. It's the only way you can do it, hey? Yep, only way. And people have made a lot of money, including our ambassador, uh, Renee Gracie, who I adore and have worked with before in racing. So that was how I guess we got here. I was actually doing – I do do the PR for her and – and we are trying to get her in your podcast, so hopefully we can get her next. Yep. And, yeah, uh, you asked me to talk and I I do have a story and I guess sometimes I really forget about the life that I've led and how amazing it's been. I mean, I arrived in L.A. 1992, not even 21, in the riots. So, oh, jeez. Yeah, so we – I went – came – I arrived with a boyfriend of mine at the time and we stopped in Hawaii for – <clears throat> like a, that's where that we went, Brisbane, Hawaii, then LA. Front page of the news, like LA was burning down. It was the day before it was the riots. We'd arrived, obviously, we were arriving early morning. We were getting into LA, eight o'clock in the morning and they were, they didn't even know if we could land. And we were just like, what the hell? What are we, what are we doing As here? a fresh faced 21 year old. Not like, even 21 yet. Yeah, yeah, I was 20 and I was like, holy shit. Okay, so... We Damn. actually got in. The, the, they, they literally, the, the plane was circling, didn't know if we could get in because of the smoke. We got in. We got in a cab. Like there was, it was a mayhem. It was, I don't even know how to explain it because it was pandemonium. People running everywhere. Like they, it was the second day of the rights. The day before was when they broke out. Mm-hmm. So the second day, everything was closing down. We arrived to go to an acting school called Lee Strasberg, which amazing school. And we, that was the only address that we had. And so we went to the school and there was a note in paper, on, in pen and paper that said um, school closed due to riots. We were in West Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard, which a lot of people will know, right next to La Cienega. We were like, said to the taxi driver, like, where can we go? Like, it was just crazy. The streets were dead. It was still only nine o'clock in the morning, but there was nobody around. Uh, and he took us to uh, the Ramada in West Hollywood, which... <laughs> I laugh at because if anyone who knows it, it's like totally the gay area. So I was fine, but there was still nobody around. But, you know, we were right in the middle of West Hollywood. We were at the Ramada. We were calling our parents saying we're safe. We could just get food because there was like a Baskin Robbins and a subway downstairs Mm -hmm. and nothing else was open and nothing else was happening. Uh, the m- next morning we woke up and there were gunshots through the Baskin-Robbins window and I was like, wow, this is fucking real. This yeah, is Coming like, from Australia. Yep. Yeah, coming from Australia, mm-hmm. um, which I very quickly learnt. I was offered to buy a gun before I learnt to use a gun, but that offer and being in the environment made me realise I don't know how to use a gun, so why am I buying one? And then yep. <laughs> the next thing was, okay, I need to learn to use a gun. So you did? I did. Yep. I know how to use a gun now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, arriving in the riots was it was definitely crazy. Um I'm pretty much get you get your big boot big girl boots on and let's get this thing done. So we stayed in the hotel a few days and then I'm like, we're wasting money here. We need a place to rent. 
I found a place to rent, <clears throat> although we had to pay a lot of money because we were um, international students. So I was just like, yeah, just get us in here. Then we didn't have a bed. We were literally sleeping in our um, suitcases, <laughs> which I've done a number of times now. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, my God. So anyway, we're like, we need to get a bed. So we had to catch a cab down to La Brea and actually it was Highland and Hollywood, which is way deep in Hollywood, which is a fine area, you know, usually. Yeah. This day, which was probably like the third, fourth day maybe of the riots, um, I get really impatient. So there was, it was a traffic jam and I'm like, the meter's ticking over, you know, and I'm like, we, we, we got to get a bed. We got to get a bed. I'm like, let's get out of this thing. So we stepped out of the cab. We walked down to... Um, I think it was Hollywood or maybe even one more street. It must have been Hollywood Boulevard. No, it was further down. It was Sunset, Santa Monica. It was maybe Santa Monica, further, yeah. So I got out, we turned around the corner, and there were tanks in the street and guys with, like, M16s. And I was like, get back in the cab, get back in the cab, get back in the cab. <laughs> so we paid the cab driver, but little did I know, he picked the bed up first, put it on top of the cab and drove us back to our place. Damn. So, yeah. So that was that was my intro to L.A. Yeah. Yeah. And the craziness didn't stop there. Um, it's a life well, well lived. Yeah, it <laughs> is definitely, you know, full of, I guess, stars, celebrities, you know, I worked in some of the best places on the Hollywood Strip. I was a bartender to begin with. That's how I pay my bills. Um, I, I continued acting. I worked in production. I promoted parties. Um, Can I ask you, why America? Why did you go there in the start? Was it just a dream or what? I outgrew Sydney really quickly. Okay. I was modeling in Sydney. Uh, I, I lived in Brisbane as well and then quickly moved to Sydney Um and I just, I was always a performer, so I loved uh, being in front of the camera. And I read Lee Strasberg's book. So Lee Strasberg is yep. an acting coach. And I just loved the thought of, I guess, um, performing for people, but also having that emotion be so real. You know what I mean? That to me, it's like I've convinced them that mm. this is real. And Lee taught to, to be able to get to that place you needed to get it from deep within. <laughs> so all those emotions are inside you somewhere and you need to bring them out for them to be real here, yep. for them to believe you. So I read his book and my partner at the time, he was, he'd already been and, and, and kind of done a recce on the whole thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, he was like, I'm going to Lee Strasberg. And I was like, I'm going to Lee Strasberg too. And so... Yeah, we went there. It was intense. Lee Strasberg was intense. Was it what you expected after reading the book? I think it was way more than what I ever expected. I mean, we would wow. have four-hour acting classes where we did an hour of relaxation. So that's just like getting into your body, tapping into those emotions. Uh, I'd lived a lot of life already. You know, um, I'm quite friendly with death. Um, I'd been very independent my whole life. I, my parents were separated, nothing new there, but um, I'd lived a lot and I had a lot to give, which Lee Strasberg and all the teachers, they knew. And what they did is like, kind of like therapy, I guess, but they pull it all out and they teach you to mold it. Mm. So it's okay to pull it all out and then you're like, where does that go? <laughs> then yep. you have to learn to control it and to tweak it to whatever it is that you are trying to perceive you know, or, or portray yes. for someone else who's written the script for you. 
So yeah, it's it was a I think it was a lot of great therapy for me, but also like on I'm in acting skills that you know you can't well you can buy because I bought I bought it I paid for it yeah um, but yeah that have lasted me forever uh, you know I I went on to do a lot of acting I have like 37 movies and seven TV shows that are on IMDb which is the International Movie Database most of them are of an erotic genre sometimes they're called um, like thrillers or scream you know whatever kind of stuff. Um, but some of them also that probably never got to the IMDb were not. You know, I, I did a lot of stuff before that yeah. database ever came out. That was a lot of fun. I mean, I felt like I was always shooting, which that's what you do. You do, you know, whatever you can. Uh, I worked with some amazing uh, agents and managers and things like that. You know, my we one of my agents, which was Dragon Talent, was a forerunner in the industry that was the first kind of queer and tattooed and alternative agency. Yep. I, I got in because I have a tattoo. Inked <laughs> I, have, I have a few more now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I got this tattoo when I was, I don't know, 21, 22. And it was not, I had to cover tattoos for a long time. Um, really? Back then? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No tattoos are allowed wow. at all. Um, but it was a, a really uh, entrepreneurial and, and uh, an agency that was beautiful beyond beyond its time yep. but what happened was uh you know they did we did a lot of music videos um madonna lenny kravitz shakira to name a few um that they would just hire the agency yeah and because the people were so eclectic and alternative um yeah and we would have a, a lot of fun yeah a lot of fun and I'm still friends with like so many of my people in LA and so many of them especially from that agency um Danny Hoff, who was my first agent, is a huge agent now. Um, but they went on to do amazing things. You know, a lot of people from there are very, very creative and have maintained and uh, been very established in the industry. Now, there's a lot more, but say it was 37 credits, say. Hey? 37. You must have shot for, for ages, time-wise. <laughs> like, that's a lot of, t like, that's a lot of time, hey? So, yeah, how, when how you're shooting, so what happened was I became a one-take wonder, meaning yep. that I could, you know, back then time was money and money was time and um, I could shoot in one take. Right. So that saves a lot of stuff, you know, uh, um, and it's funny to say this, but even in that industry, well, shooting, shooting anything, any kind of industry, I think yep. business-wise, any job, you need to turn up on time. You need to turn, you know, be prepared, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah. Some of those things don't happen when you're shooting. And it's crazy to me too, but I turned up on time. I, you know, had clean hair, clean face yeah. and ready to learn my lines and ready to shoot. Yep. So <clears throat> I got a very good reputation of that. So also when I was working in, I guess, softcore, which is all I had done up until COVID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it's all that was all fake stuff. So I didn't mind about being nude. I didn't. I didn't care at all. Yep. You know, there was sure there was a couple of instances where I had to assert myself, and I learned a lot of lessons from them. Um, it was some of them. I don't even remember them per se. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, because it was just so minuscule at the time. And but I would be I would be the girl that they would hire if somebody didn't turn up on set, or if somebody didn't turn up on set and 
for a larger role, they'd be like, Belinda, can you do this? Because I would sit there and, and I could learn the script basically while I was in makeup. That's what I told you last week. Yeah. Yeah, I could sit there and I'd know I'd know the 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 script, the the gist of it, you know, like from all – I did four years at Strasbourg. So you're – at this point, you're a professional. Yeah, like, I'm a professional in yep. a bunch of amateurs, I thought. You know, yes. Sometimes it was – as it went on, I, I started doing the um, softcore movies in about 2000 and I probably did them for on and off for nine years. I didn't do movies when I had a boyfriend because they never liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny because it's so professional. And, I mean, it's a job. But it – Sometimes I didn't shoot just because, yeah, I made them uncomfortable or whatever. But, yeah, I would kind of do on and off movies. And the funniest part was that the guys or my boyfriend stopped me shooting movies, but rodeoing didn't. Because in the meantime as well, throughout that time, I was rodeoing. And, like, hardcore rodeoing. Like, I was riding bulls and steers and speed events on a horse. Where did that, that come from? I know. it's a, I have a bull on my shoulder. That's where it started. So it, it didn't start there. Um, but I had a friend of mine who we used to party with. He was a DJ when I bartended. And he was a spin teacher as well. So when I came back in 2000, I got chewed up and spat out um, from L.A. And uh, That's a long story. But I went back home for 1999. Then when I decided to come back to the States, I was like, I need certain things in my life. And riding horses was one of them. It kept me grounded. So I met up with my friend who was a spin teacher, Todd Tramp, who was the original Bowflex man. He used to own a gym, et cetera, et cetera. And he said to me, oh, you should come out and ride my horses. I said, okay, cool. So I went out and rode his horses. He's like, dang, girl, you need to compete with us. I was like, compete? What? Yeah. Everybody loves a trophy. Yeah. So I was <laughs> like, okay, show me how. So I started riding with him. And then a woman approached me in Hollywood and said, um, you have a bull on your shoulder. What does that mean? We started talking. She said, I'm riding a bull running story. I said, I can't ride a bull yet, but I'm happy to learn. I have a friend who rides steers. So I went back to my friend, Todd Tram, and he said, I said to him, hey, Todd, um, I want to learn to ride steers. He's laughing. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So he had this steer in the backyard, a little baby bull. But he said, well, you just got to get in there and, and play with it. So <laughs> that's what we did, literally play with the, the steer and jump on it and... I rode horses my whole life since I was five. Right. And, yeah. And I had what was called a good seat, meaning I can stick to a horse. I, I liked the troublesome horses and I liked something that I could work with that, you know, that was not boring. Yeah. So anyway, he didn't know all this, but I did. And so finally one day he said, well, if you're going to ride steers, we're, we're at uh, Vegas Rodeo. If you're going to ride, you may as well just get on. I said, okay, cool. So I got on a steer and a steer is a castrated bull they're smaller but they're still i don't know 500 pound half a you know half a ton yeah. of animals still so it was pretty it's pretty daunting um but anyway i had a good seat they were like oh my god she's a natural i was like oh yeah so <laughs> i won steer riding buckles you won you win buckles there yeah. um and throughout the steer riding the, the lady with the movie never came back up so never i never did the movie really yeah but that's yeah. how that's what started me learning to ride rough stock, as it's called. Like, right. So I rode horses before that and already. He had the finished horse. I'd just turn up from the city, get on his horse, and win because they were already polished. Right. I mean, yeah. Yep. So so long as somebody well, – it's, it's not just that. I mean, it's a team effort. It's a horse and a rider. But they were very amazing horses. So I put us together. We won. Um, 
Todd and I, we, we had a pretty good team. He would choose them. But we'd go to, like, they have the award ceremony and you have a big table and we would have to take the tablecloths because we had so many buckles. And, and wow. Stuff. Yeah. So I did that on and off with him for a long time. Um, but I would turn up from shooting movies and go straight to this amazing grounded environment. It was a gay rodeo. I forgot to mention that part. What's this it? was the gay rodeo. Yeah. So he's gay and see all of that I just miss out on because it doesn't it doesn't face irrelevant. Me. Yeah, yep. it's irrelevant. But the gay rodeo is uh produced by gay people and predominantly gay people, but it was such a great association that a lot of the straight cowboys in the areas would come and compete. So I would say it was like 70-30 most of the time. Um, but it's the only association where men and women ride the same events just as, as men and women, you know what right. I mean? But yep. in, a, in a normal rodeo or a straight rodeo, women don't ride bulls, women don't ride, you know what I mean? It's a whole separate association. But in saying that, because it was a great association like there was money to be made like there was so i was making money you know i would go away and make a thousand dollars two thousand dollars in a weekend firstly because we would win so much but secondly because uh i guess steer riding and bull riding are not that easy so sometimes you're the only one winning so all of the prize money goes to you wow so there was there was one time where i really i really wanted a bull riding buckle i thought that was like and I never had insurance, so I was on a wing and a prayer here. <laughs> I was like, Oops. Uh, and I guess my the worst injury was that, and I used to go from rodeos to shooting movies too, and the worst injuries were the bruises that I would have on the inside of my thighs. So while they're covering my tattoos, I'd be like, oh, you better cover this thing. Because so, <laughs> I've been bull riding. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was, it was like... It was toward the, uh, it must have been 20, 2006 or something. I was trying to think of the year, but I was going through a breakup. Uh, I think it was a divorce. Well, maybe it was just breaking up for us. <laughs> I was weak. You know, I was yep. thin. I was like stressed. And I, I rode the, the, the steers and stuff. And the, and the stock contractor said to me, like, if you're going to ride these steers, you may as well ride the bulls because the steers are just as bad as the bulls. I thought, okay, I, you know, know to listen to the stock contractor because it's his stock. Right. So I was like, okay, this is my chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a bull. So you I didn't want to just ride a bull. Now, I'd already ridden a bull. I'd been thrown off. My arm was numb for six months. I'd already yep. given it a go. I was riding the steers still. The steers were easier for me. They're smaller. They don't come and attack you. Like the bull, I rode a big bull, big Brahma. Threw me off my whole helmet. I, I wore a helmet, um, little to... Um, Todd's disgust, but I'm like, I'm not, can't break the face. Like, come on. Um, so yeah, I'd gotten, I decided I wanted to win not just a round, which yep. we won buckles round. I wanted to win champion roadie, the, the championship of the year. So that meant I had to cover, I had to get points, enough points to get into the finals. So I did that. And then for the finals, I wanted, I got really greedy. I started um, manifesting and visualizing and I was going to Australia like the next week or something. So I, because I was so skinny, I felt like I was weak. So I, I would be, I was so worried about getting hurt. Just, it, it was making me scared and I'd yep. never been that scared. So I really replaced it with some visual stuff that <clears throat> worked. <laughs> so, but you know, like winning, how I would win, how I would come out, how I would come off the bull, how I would, Everything. I, every time I thought, wow, this is scary. You don't have insurance. What's going to happen? I said, this is what's going to happen. I want to take all the money. I want to win the buckles. 
I want to, you know what I mean? I was yeah. very, very, and I've done this a few times in my life. I, I quite like manifesting. Uh, and, you know, I picked a random number, $3,000. I figured mm, that might be around how much, if nobody else covered. This was like if nobody else stayed on at finals rodeo, there's 20 girls. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, nobody covered. I won the $3,300 and took away my champion, like national champion bull riding buckle with my name on it. <laughs> from the yeah. USA. From the USA, yeah. That is, that's yeah. an epic story from, yeah. from day one. What, do you keep the, have you kept the buckles? Of course. Yeah. Uh, I've given away some buckles, but I kept my most important ones. The yep. steer riding championships, the, the bull riding ones. I accidentally got a bull riding one once before I won it because, yeah, the, they, they, <laughs> they, they stuffed it up, but I was like, oh, cool, I've got one. I'll I don't even have to ride the bulls. I'll take that. Yeah, but, exactly. but you want to have the right one, eh? Yeah, exactly. Manifesting, how, were you always a person like that? I have always been somebody to manifest, yeah. yeah. Sexpo manifested. Well, really? It was a, obviously, it was a team effort. They, yeah. they wanted someone. It's been, um, yeah, been, been great to be involved with Kevin and his team and what, what they do. Yeah. Um, even, like, just things coming back and forth from the States. Sometimes, like, I was in some hairy, hairy situations before 9-11. Uh, because after 9-11, you couldn't get away with anything. Like getting, just getting in and out of the country, you know, like visas, illegal, like just all kinds of stuff that you have to just wing it, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of movies, like some of the roles, you know, when you really, really want something. Yeah. I think that sometimes too we manifest stuff that we don't mean to, but because it's in the forefront of our mind, sometimes it's negative things like smashing a car recently. Feeling yeah. it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was so worried about, you know, hurting my friend's car that it happened. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I got turned around from the States uh, about 2016, I think it was. And traveling back and forth, it was always quite nerve wracking because I have like a rap sheet. Nothing, not that I did anything wrong, but coming in and out of the country, different on different visas, on this, on that. You know, it's quite confusing to, to it's like people. like an alert. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So then you have to explain everything. I, I ended up writing a whole piece of paper out so that I could go, oh, here, this is me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my thing was always like, oh, what's the worst thing that can happen? They can, they're going to turn me around and send me back to Australia. That's it. That's what they did. And they did, <laughs> they did. in 2016. 2016, yeah. How did 9-11 change things? 9-11 changed things because they tightened up security, like, yeah. across the board. Mm. Um for yourself, though, it was... 9-11, I remember the day really explicitly because I was supposed to be in Vegas. Right. And I was seeing a big baseball player at the time. And it was... I wasn't just seeing him. I mean, yeah, he was probably... Well, he was we having an affair with me. So the night before, mm. he had called me and said, we can't go to Vegas because his wife had found out. She knew, but anyway. They stayed together, by the way. I absolutely told him to stay with her because she's amazing um but we were supposed to be in vegas and he'd called the night and i was upset that we weren't in vegas and as soon as we woke up that morning i was like thank god we weren't in vegas because mm. that would have been really bad uh because he wouldn't have been able to get back to his family uh, i wouldn't have been able to get back to um to la yeah it was a complete absolute stop of the the whole city yeah um and as I said that, I was remembering that I was also in the earthquake, the big earthquake in LA. So it was a, a bit like the earthquake. Everything yep. stopped. Uh, everyone was just devastated about what was going on and there was a, a whole feeling of disbelief. Mm. Um, 
And you know, there's I've seen all the conspiracy theories and seen as much as you can possibly think, and it's just it's just devastating how uh, uh, one situation wasn't one, but there was five incidents that happened that day that changed changed everything, changed everything for a lot of people, uh, including families that lost lives in not just in New York, but in many, many places around. Did, did your work change at that time as well? Did everything shift or did it feel weird after that? It like felt being in America? really weird. Yeah, it felt really weird. It felt like we were, you know, America is a place that you need to watch your back. I mean, I already knew that. I arrived in the riots, their guns. Um, I worked at a club where I was literally thrown in the door. I was friends with the leader of the 18th Street Gang um, and he would tell me, when something was going to happen and he'd, I was the door girl at the time. So this was maybe 1993, 90, 94 wow. around then. So before I started bartending, I, I learned to bartend after hours and then I was able to bartend after that. But I was at the door and he would literally throw me in the door, like get in the door and pow, 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 pow. Um, there'd be a drive-by. Uh, so you, I learned to watch my back. I'm a bit rowdy and... <laughs> Yeah, in the, in Australia, you can be a bit rowdy. In America, you can't be a bit rowdy. You be a bit rowdy, you're going to get shot. You're yep. going to get... Your life is life is not worth a lot over there, sadly. Um, and I think that after 9-11, it, people became a little more kind to each other. and But you also had to watch your back, you know what I mean? It just realized that, God, we're living in America and still look at what happened. Anybody can attack at any time. Yeah. So it was a little bit like scared to go to open, big open things, um, events and stuff like that for a little while. But America really heals quickly. And I think that um, maybe the pandemic now is is a sign of that. You know, they've gone through a lot. And I know that, well, I left after the GFC, you know what I mean? Like it's never going to be what it was for me because I had an amazing time. Like you, can, you can't repeat all of that stuff. Because it's never going to be like that. No. Hollywood's never going to be like that again. And I, I was in Miami, and I've gone back to Miami since. And I lived when I lived in Miami, it was nice. I mean, it was it was a little bit kind of Gold Coasty with a little bit more shine and a little bit more Cuban feel to it. But now it is like whew, hardcore, you know, like yeah, it's it's changed. And I think LA will survive, and and everything will come back, but it'll never be the same. No. It'll never be the same. Yeah. And that, that um, initial pool that you would have had to go there, 92, it would be a lot different for people moving forward. Like yeah. the glitz, the glamour, the, you know, Hollywood be between the 90s and GFC really at that time. Yeah. You just look at it and you're like, I want to go there. That'd it was, be awesome. yeah. There's so much draw, you know. Exactly. It was big and people were rolling. And, I mean, I hang out, hung out with some amazing people, friends um, that, you know, repeatedly – I think the, I, I've said this before, but the most fun was hanging out with Jack Nicholson. You'd turn up at his house, he'd be in the robe, he'd be like, hey, how's it going? Oh, Belinda, how are you? Nice to see you again. He had a crush on my friend at the time, so we would go up there a little bit. And um, his house and his art, and we'd smoke a joint. And You know, it was also, there was only four of us there. Yep. So it was not, I mean, there was parties that he had and stuff like that. But yeah, having that one-on-one -on -one time, Julian Lennon, was someone I hung out with. I went out with the guy from um, the Black Crows, Chris Robinson. Right. Yeah. So that was fun too. Um, yeah, I've had like, you know, a pretty rock and roll lifestyle there. And there was a point where I was like, okay, what are you doing? 
Really? <laughs> yeah. You did? Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple of points and sometimes I'd come back. I went to Aspen. Aspen was like my go-to for like a break and, you know, to regroup. And it still is kind of like that. I love Aspen. But yeah, it's like it would be coming around to when my visa was expiring or, you know, I had three modeling visas, which were three years at a time. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, how do I get a green card? So then I got married. That guy didn't fulfill what I what he needed to fulfill. Yeah. So I got divorced and I got remarried and that guy fulfilled what I needed to fulfill. Perfect. I, so I got a green card. Yeah. Uh, well, I got... Um, it's not a green card for us, but a working, you know, uh, I, I, I never got the green card because I left America yeah. in between times. So. But you could have, if you stayed there, got yeah. the green yeah. card. You, yep. you, the thing is, though, you have to stay in the country um, 60 out of 90 months, basically, you know, or 30 out of 60 months. So sometimes oh, so you, when I'm coming back, I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to go back there. So you can't transit, you know, every three months or something. You've got to be pretty You could. In. So every three months is good. But yeah. So if you go back for three months, six months there, three months here, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. fine. But you can't, like, you can't stay here for a year without going back there for two years. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So there's certain, and they change all the time. Yeah. You know, so my little brother just went through, uh, he works for Amazon actually. And so they had, they did his visa again and he had, you know, long story short, he had to do all this paperwork, yep. wait all this time, pay all this money. And he went like, yay, you got your visa again. And then he's like, guess what? I got to do it all again in 12 months. Yeah. So you're always on edge. That's the trouble, hey? Like, yeah. I remember looking, uh, 2012, I was going to do the, the process to live over there. And yeah, it was just like, do you want to live on the edge the whole time or do you want to just go over there, work a little bit, come home, you know, try to do what you can and it's hard, eh? It's hard, you yeah. know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to get over there and work, you mm. know what I mean? Uh, Sexpo, that was one of the draw cards for me was they have uh, the rights to the USA Sexpo. Really? So, yeah, that was like, oh, I'm going to go there. I'm back. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, COVID is, has kind of put a spanner in that. I'm not sure when... Uh, that might look at, like happening, but, you know, it would be at least 2023. 20, uh, but there's also a few other things that, you know, that now um, I'm open to. So I did a scene one time in one of my movies um, where I played a boxer, which was fun, with Nick Manning, who's a huge uh, porn star. Right. I never did porn then so when I was doing the scene with him it was really kind of a confusing thing but I also worked production for uh, Wicked Pictures which is a huge porn company so I was like the boss on set sometimes and then I was a talent so for some actors it was very confusing and it was kind of a challenge to get me in a scene together so Nick had me in a scene and I just yelled at him like a few weeks beforehand on a Wicked set because he was doing something naughty and so now he's like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm like, no, you're not. This is a soft core scene. <laughs> like, nothing's <laughs> going to happen. Like, you know, just chill out, Nick. Um, but the scene was hot. He, like, I mean, I can ex explain to you, like, in soft core, you have, like, a Band-Aid that covers your vagina, basically. Ah. So that, well, I didn't know this, but I learned it. So that, A, nobody can get to you, basically. And, B... If they happen to show that area like on camera, they won't use it because there's a band aid there. Yep. So, anyway, Nick has 
going down on me in the scene and pulls the Band-Aid off. And the scene is one of the hottest scenes that I've ever shot in my life. And it was for a reason. Like, we're laughing and having fun. And I'm like, am I just, am I going to do porn here? Is, is this going to happen? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Um, bouncing around. Anyway, we did the scene. But cut to now, which has got to be, I probably did that movie in, I want to say, 2007. Yeah. So we're, you know, 10 years more down the track. Um, 10 years and however many is it? Huh? No, it's not even 10 years yet. Yeah. 10. Oh yeah. 13, 14 years. years. Yeah. yeah. 14 years. So we kept in contact. Um, and a lot of my fans are like, Oh, when are you, you and Nick going to do a proper scene? Wow. I'm like, okay, well I never really thought of it, but you know, we go, we banter back and forth. And then finally once 2000, once the, um, 2020 COVID hit and I started doing OnlyFans. I only did some um, X-rated stuff with a partner at the time. Uh, I've since, you know, filmed like one other scene or worked with a group that I've done some explicit stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm like, Nick's hot. Like he was hot back then, but it was just, you know, a boundary that was not for me. Yeah. And so now it is. So Nick and I have talked about maybe I go to Florida. He has his own production company. He has his own online stuff. So yeah, maybe it's my first real porn. Yeah. <laughs> in, tw in 2022. In 2022, yeah. How, how do you navigate that here? Like if you're filming something private here, like legally, like how does that work, you know? Well, we're shooting content for our platforms, which is Aussie fans. Yep. And that's that's the way it can because if you were to do the production, it's yeah, funny. It's different. That's that's right, eh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're, yeah. You've, you've hit it on the head. So you can't be can't be produced, but because I mean, basically, we use our phones. We use, you know, um, they still. It's pretty much a production. Some of them, but it's a grey line. Yeah, it? it's a yep. very grey line that uh, that that we're able to get away with at this point. And I think that moving forward. If there are to be different rules for Australia, I think that the whole um, adult industry needs to clean its act up, so to speak. I mean, you know, there are a lot of rules. The reason that they, that they have productions is because there's a mandate around certain things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like condom use, uh, testing, uh, all of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It, it is, it's a really important uh, subject to take care of your health. Um, and in Australia, we're kind of skirting around the edges of it all. I'm sure most people in the industry take care of their health, but there's not a mandate. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So in America, you have to have, you turn up with your certain pieces of paper to show that you've done this, this, ticked all the boxes here. Yeah. In Australia, it's um, everybody kind of has, makes sure that they take care of themselves, but there's not a mandate. And this would be the thing, if you, if you were to have proper productions here, and do it like in that way, it'd be a much safer, exactly beneficial industry for exactly. everybody too. Hey? Yeah, and the platform obviously would grow yeah. even further. Exactly, exactly. So but you just got to change history. For it's, it's it's a real tough one. Like yeah. I said to a friend of mine, I said to my mom too. Like, oh, you don't have to worry. I'm not going to be a politician. And why not? Yeah, exactly. And now I'm kind of like, why not? Yeah, I have a best friend of mine, uh, Susan Gallagher, who runs for Southport. Okay, and. I, when I first met her, I actually met her at Paul Morris's. And when I first met her, I said, are you okay hanging out with me? She's like, what do you mean? I go, well, the politician and the porn star, uh, you know, what are they going to say? So 
porn star is a, is a is something that I've been called for a long time. For a long time, I fought it, and I'm like, I'm not a porn star. I'm a softcore porn star. Nobody knows the difference. Nobody can tell. You know what I mean? So there was a long time where I was trying to like get rid of that stigma and move away from it, and it's part of the reason I moved back to Australia. So my plan was to move back to Australia, become a little bit more mainstream, right. <laughs> and go back to the states. Yep. So it's kind of happened differently. Um, because my adult involvement, I guess, has 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 pedaled to the metal. I won uh, the Australian Adult Industry Choice Award Ambassador of the Year for this year, and I was really proud of that. You know, because I I really stand by the industry and hope that we can do great things for people, not just. It's an entertainment industry, and sex workers are workers, and their work is real, and. You know, prostitution is the oldest job in the in the history of anything, really. You know what I mean? And it's just sex, as Larry Flint would say. You know, and that's and that's exactly the thing. And the people that are saying no or whatever it may be with mandates and that, like, do they watch porn? <laughs> of course, of course they, they do. do. You know, of like that's the thing. Do. So, yeah. do they want their dick sucked? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't really understand the process behind the man. You know, the 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 Authorities. Shunning it, yeah, yeah, shunning this industry away in Australia. I haven't really got into it, my teeth into it yet, but I, I'm getting there. My teeth are slowly sinking into the apple. And, yeah, um, Fiona Pattern, which is an uh, MP down in, in Victoria, right. she was the leader of the sex party, I believe. And I'm friends with, like, a lot of those um, people that are in – the offices and some of them or most of them are you know non-profits and things like that that but that that take care of sex workers and 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 make sure that everyone knows the rules that what's going on and what's not going on and you know thank god for them thank mm. god because somebody has to run the business side of it um i think fiona is a pretty good runner for the like to be the um premier after right. Dan, I, I'm not. I would love it. I, I'm. Hold, I'm not saying much because I'm not sure where she's at. I haven't been in Victoria for a couple of months. But yeah. you know, um, poor Dan. But if, if Fiona's going to get in, I think that there would be some amazing changes to uh, sex workers and to the, uh, the industry, adult industry in in general. Because it it is one of those things. Like it's an entertainment platform, and there's probably a, a black market in it. Totally. More than likely. Totally. And if you can. There's probably people being treated in the wrong ways. If you can do it be better for everyone, I mean, we can touch on the Epstein thing, but you know, what do you reckon there? Um, probably most women don't want to know what I think there. Really? I mean, I hung out in circles like that, and you know, there, okay. I understand that there's a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, is probably not fair and not nice, and of course, no means no. And I, I hear that there were a lot of people women abuse and I completely concur that this should not be happening. Mm. Sometimes you also have to look at the flip side and what would have happened to those girls if they weren't in this situation. A lot of the girls were, and I understand that no means no, 100%. And luckily I have been, I'm very confident, I'm very grounded, I know what I want, I know my boundaries. Yep. And I think that's the point. Teaching women their boundaries is the point here. Not about who said what and what happened. I think moving forward, teaching women 
and young women, boundaries is what is important. Men are maybe not going to ever know boundaries once their dick is hard. Just saying that part. You know what I mean? So women have to know this doesn't feel good. I'm going to remove myself from the situation. And sometimes, of course, they can't. Um, trafficking and, and subjects like that, um, you know, selling children and, and things like that are obviously horrific, yeah, horrific yep. subjects and horrific uh, things that happen. And obviously, whatever we can do to help that is is on the forefront and if the Epstein case blows all of that out of the water then that's great for sure if if the Epstein case you know obviously something's wrong because he ain't around to tell us mm. obviously he felt bad about something there's something guilty there for oh, sure absolutely absolutely yeah. and I think that this case has been has scratched the surface and allowed us to go deeper into what is actually going on because anybody doing anything that they don't want to do is not right yeah that's, that's exactly right. That's the exclamation mark, full stop on yep. the end there. Yeah. It, it's, it, and until you can have the conversation, because it is obviously hidden for so long, you yeah. know, like there's, you know, you, we didn't see it. It was around obviously, but we didn't see it. You, you've been to different places. You've seen a lot more than what I would have ever seen, right? Mm. Um, at uni, we had a film, um, one of my students made a film called Conversations of Consent. And it was a uni film. And until I watched that, even just some of the things I'm like, oh shit, I never, never would have thought that, you know, exactly. if that, and it was, it's education. It's a hard one because, so you, you can know, educate someone. Yeah. I grew up quite sexual. Right. I was like waiting for my first boyfriend to have sex with me. I'm like, dude, what more do I have to do here? Like, but that was me. I spoke about sex with my family. I spoke about, we were open about it. You know what I mean? I think a lot of women who end up in a bad situation probably don't even know and they're in that situation before they even know what's going on and how do you say no then you know what I mean I know that there's plenty of times I've slept with someone because I felt sorry for them or you know I was here and it's happening and you know what I mean like sure why not but you know then you think maybe I didn't need to do that or maybe you know that I could stop that but then it's how and even as a much older woman looking back on things like that, I understand how difficult it is to pull back. So the, 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 the thought here is before you get to here, yeah. ask yourself a question. Is this something I want to do now? Even I say this with, for girls that want to do OnlyFans, Aussie fans, or anything, any, any kind of X-rated content, just think about this. Think about the big picture for a minute. Yeah. You're going to get called this. You're going to get called that. You're going to, you know what I mean? Like, you need to think about this before. I, I saw so many horror stories, just even in working production in porn. You know, like poor girls. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this then? My boyfriend wanted. I go. That's not really a good excuse. You know, what I mean, like, do you want to do this? Do you understand what's going to happen after this? I. Uh, but yeah, you have to have enough brains to go. Yeah, I'm doing this, and I have a plan, which I saw a lot of. Many amazing, amazing women like Jessica Drake. What a powerhouse, you know. Uh, I shot her when she first started until she was at Sexpo 2019 in Melbourne and just a powerhouse of a woman, you know. Um, even Jenna Jameson has had, had a plan, you know, yeah. afterwards. How are you going to survive after this if this is the only thing you're doing? So for me, it's not the only thing I do, you know what I mean? But young girls today are like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do that, you know, to make money and blah, blah, blah. Okay, what's your plan after that? You know, I even ask Renee sometimes, I'm like, I love, you know, listening to what her her thing is. She's like, I'm going to keep good doing it as long as I can. 
Right. You know what I mean? That's, and, and she's a businesswoman. That's what I was about to say with Renee too. Her other side is, you know, she'll merchandise it. Absolutely. Like there's, there's a brand behind a video. Yep. There's so much and that, that's the long-term she's obviously thing. a smart operator yep. and a businesswoman and she has exactly what her plan is for the week, the month, the year, already done. Yeah. But it's because she loves doing this. I mean, I, rem- I met her before 19 when she was just started in racing. Paul gave her a leg up just like most people he's given a leg up in the industry. Yep. So she did what she had to do. And it's a tough industry, motorsports, for a girl. You know what I mean? Like 100%. But fortunately, Renee came out of this on top of it and, you know, making way more money than she probably ever would have made racing. She is a good race car driver too. For sure. And, and she, you know, I, I keep saying, what, what are we going to do? Let's go for racing. Because her and I actually did, I did an event out at the driving center called Wags and Whims and we had a race. So it was... Three, three girls, uh, me, Renee, and Bree Johnson right. were in the car together. We didn't win. We got close. But um, Bree kind of, she had a little problem. <laughs> but, but, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we always had these fun things together to empower women. That's what I wanted to do when I was there. And, um, you know, she, she excelled in many, many areas, including driving the car, you know, with her promos and stuff like that. Well, that was her side. You know, that, but... Underneath all this tough exterior, sometimes there's there's things that, you know, you can't, you just fight, fight, fight the fight every day and you just get tired. And I think that this turn, I smile because obviously I'm happy about it. Aussie fans is happy about it. But the way that she took like this, a duck to water is like, just makes me so happy. And she doesn't care what people say. You know what I mean? When I first met her, she was a little um, maybe more... Um, sensitive and 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 was affected by what was said now she's like bring it on she'll she'll the pussy posse is an example of that so she's about to release t-shirts <laughs> like, i seen the um the pussy wagon shirt yeah it looks good yeah the pussy wagon yeah, yeah. exactly i was like, like it looks amazing it's just ownership exactly in its full part. exactly yeah and you know she shoots with her partner um so it's not like she's shooting with a bunch of different people. She's not classified um, a porn star, although people will call her that, and she's happy with that. Um, you know, she's she's a content creator. That's yeah. how I, you know, classify things, and she does an amazing job at that, and she, you know, has come on board with Aussie fans and is the ambassador and, you know, hopefully will give us everything that she has, including some racing, you know, some some amazing content of her at her house now. She's building a pool. She's, you know, doing some amazing things. And I believe she's always kind of skirting around how much, but we just did a podcast with um, a group in Sydney and, you know, I was talking about her making her second million. I think she's almost up to a tenth. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> she's a machine. Like, she does things that... And that's part of what we want to create with Aussie fans and Renee is is like workshops, you know. Mm. Like if we can – we both have a similar mindset with this. If we can affect 5% of the girls that are out there creating content and, and have them be as successful as Renee is or – I mean I see myself as successful because I make money on it every week. You mm. know, it's not, it's, not, it's not a lot of money but it's enough money to go out and have a nice dinner, you know. And if I concentrated more, I know I'd make more. You know, Renee's at the top end of the scale and making – thousands of dollars a week and so if we can find and make 
and help girls make that money in between to do to have their own money for a start. Yeah. You know, to have their own lives, to be independent. I, I've never known anything else than being independent uh, <clears throat> and having to pay for my own way. So, you know, this is all quite natural. It comes quite naturally to me, shooting and being in front of a camera, helping other people be in front of the camera and creating a platform that uh, fans can watch it on. You know, creating a platform like Sexpo that people can come and have the jaw-dropping day of their life, you know what I mean? Something that they're like, well, just as I call it, dipping their toe into an industry that everyone wants to be a part of but, you know, not many people get to be. What do you reckon the percent would be? Point? It'd be a point. It wouldn't even be one. Yeah. Um, I think it's growing, yeah. definitely growing because especially on the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast has, you know, a, a huge number of amazing content creators. For sure. Um, I think it's probably like maybe 1% of the population that really get out there and give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's probably a lot more people than everybody thinks. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like that hot girl at the gym that's taking a video. It's not just for Instagram. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know what I mean? It's if she's smart, I mean, if she if she wants smart and wants to make money that way, I'm not saying that working a corporate job is not smart. I'm just saying that if this is your forte, if you're a bikini model, let's say, um, you can't go on to be a grid girl anymore. Isn't got that a, horrendous? Got a lot to say about that too. But can we touch on that later? We can. Yeah. We'll touch on it right now. Yeah. But she can go and, you know, after becoming a bikini model, uh, do some OnlyFans stuff. And on OnlyFans or Aussie fans, you don't have to be nude. You know, it's an entertainment platform. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of people that are making money from cooking shows, from training, from all kinds of things like that. Grid girls. Yeah. Let's get back to it. I don't know what they're doing. I understand that. Um, have you ever been one? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was. Uh, this is how I guess Paul and I met. I, wow. <laughs> I don't know if you remember um, Big Kev. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. So yep. 2000, remember I came back from yeah. the States. So yep. uh, I was friends with Big Kev and he said to me, we're going to Bathurst and I want you to run the promo girls. So uh, obviously before that on the Gold Coast, I had been a grid girl for indie and this and that. Like, yeah. What a great girl, time. Promo girl. Yep. Yeah. Great time. Um, Selena McDonald, who is one of my best friends, has run Miss V8 Supercars, Miss Indy, since, I don't know, probably the 90s. Yeah. Was, was Miss Indy or something like that back in the 90s. So, yeah, I've been very heavily involved with that. Uh, so that's a, a one area that is now missing. Uh, and the grid girls, you know, um, yes, I, I ran big, the big Kevettes in Bathurst. Must have been 2000. Um, we went down on a bus and the driver was Paul Morris. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. So Paul was going out with a beautiful, beautiful blonde girl at the time. And um, I thought, God, he's stuck up. But in actual fact, he's quite shy. Mm. Little did I know that, you know, I came in with the girls, off we went. Uh, we had an amazing time on the mountain. It was 2000, you know, it was just gritty. And, and all, my job was basically to keep the, the promo girls away from Big Cav and from the rest of the mountain. <laughs> but, yeah, we had an amazing time. Um, I didn't realise that I had been splattered on the truck for the whole time. I, I went back to the States probably October, probably a bit later that year. Yeah. I was just trying to work out when Bathurst was. Uh, I didn't come back for, I don't know, four years, which was usually my usual time when a visa ran out. But, um, you know, a lot of those girls, then I came back to finish that Paul Morris story off. Then I came back in um, 
2009, ran into Paul at the opening of QT and I can be quite disgusting at times. So, yeah, we he had obviously – I'd, I'd run into him back and forth in years and uh, anyway, I went home with him and never left so, <laughs> for four and a half years. Wow. So, yeah, we had a great time together. I have a soft spot in my heart for Paul. He knows that. Everyone else knows that. Yeah. Um, we were just – we're just a, too much together. We're like a lot. I'm a lot. And he's a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> together we're a lot. Yeah. But getting back to the grid girls, you know, um, I don't know if the people that are trying to, uh, the Me Too situation, I'm not sure how it all started because I think they thought that they were downgrading or degrading women. And some people felt that way. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if there was a team that was letting them know that this is a, a an annual salary for some girls this mm. is like a 30 plus a year job for some of those um promo girls and grid girls that is now gone you yep. know miss miss v8 supercars was a, a competition that you know trajectories onto you know miss hawaiian tropic miss world miss this miss that and okay i come from a little bit of a beauty pageant background and i understand how feminists or I'm not sure who it is. I, I don't know what the who the people yep. are that don't want this stuff to happen. I can see how they could see why it's sexist. But what is there to replace it then? Mm. You know, how I know that there's you know, they've they've tried to do some they've got the ambassadors in, in Darwin, which love that idea. The grid instead of the grid girls, they've got their the V eight supercar or V eight ambassadors. Yep. So they've renamed it, which that's great and you know, but Cars and girls in bikinis, cars and pretty girls, or cars and it goes together. Like, I, I, is that sexist of me to say? Maybe, maybe I am sexist, but there is a whole lot of money that a whole lot of these beautiful girls are now not making. Correct. And that's the part that's sad. Yeah. And that's the part that, what did we replace then for them? You know, because some of them were doing this job while they were studying, some of them were doing this job while they were. Yeah, they might be single moms, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, or there is a goal, like a, Absolutely. Like a Miss Universe goal or, Absolutely. you know, as well. Um, Absolutely, and it is it is sad, and I've, I know a lot of girls that were in the industry, Amanda and some of those girls that we've mentioned before uh, included, and now it's gone, you know, the opportunity to travel, the opportunity to meet other people, the opportunity to, to be a part of an event like V8s, yeah. um, opportunity to become engineers, to become anything, you know yeah. what I mean? To, to even get into that environment, like racing cars is a team sport. Correct. And, you know, I don't know if people watching it on the TV sometimes realize how much of a team sport and getting back to Paul, um, you know, he was one that taught me so many things about racing because Paul will read the rules for that particular race and he will tweak something to get a leg up and then they'll have to send a new piece of paper through to say like, okay, the rules changed again because Paul, you know, for instance, like, um, are you got to go out on, on greens for lap, da, 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 do two laps. Well, Paul would put one green on. So he's got three green tires left yep. for the race. They'd be like, no, you got to put four on. Well, you didn't say that, didn't specify that. So, you know what I mean? He would go through the specifics yep. and there were a lot of things like that watching him race over the years, <clears throat> him and the teams that he ran, not just him, but the teams that he ran of how it is a team sport. Mm. And, you know, it includes family, friends, 
promo girls, you know, any other position that is available in that sport for a woman. You know, I knew a couple of women that were in the in the garage, um, and one of them actually came from Miss Miss V8 Supercars. Vanessa, just, you know. So how would she have ever got the opportunity to get in there if it wasn't for that? So, yeah, that's what's missing, I think. It's like, okay, what did you replace? You yep. took this away from the girls. Now what have you replaced? Mm, that's exactly right. And the, to get into a team is so difficult. If you can just do whatever a position may be just to get in, it might be just that little bit of networking in a day and it's perfect. Exactly. Or it might be that, you know, you just get a good look at it and you're like, mm, this ain't for me. Yeah. I... I like I'm going to title you, say a leader. You're a leader in this industry of adult entertainment and things like that. Moving forward, like we're talking about consent and stuff before and being able to educate people on making a decision. It'd be the same with the grid girls or ambassadors or whatever it's going to be called. Do you, A, want to do this? B, not want to do this? And and, and go through an education scenario of what's your goal out of it? What, that might be something that's needed in multiple different things. That's just one platform. Yeah. I think that... Uh, it's education. It is. I think that for me, thank you for being, I'm a leader. Um, well, the way you're talking about it so passionately and, and talk about consent and you talk about things like that, I feel that you're a leader in that. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. It, uh, someone has to be. For sure. You know what I mean? And I'm happy to be a leader. I'll put the hat on and I'll be a leader. I'll be a leader yeah. or I'll be a follower. Like I'm, I'm very multi, multi. Yeah. You know I mean? so ain't no one else going to lead. Okay, I'll do it. Let me do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I am passionate about certain things. Uh, I think that they should definitely replace those jobs that they took away. That's yeah. a big thing. And and boundary-wise, like, I don't remember any of the grid girls, I don't know, having to do anything, maybe walk around in a lycra suit that was boiling hot might be uncomfortable and some of the shoes that they wear. I was going to say shoes know, wouldn't be real fun. Yeah, <laughs> the shoes I, I see is uncomfortable. But, you know, we started bringing in the sneakers. So that was an easy fix. I think that my friend Selena McDonald is definitely still pushing in that area and I hope that they can replace, like I said, the jobs that they took away. Yeah. In regards to the uh, adult industry, I think that there are a few things that I'm really passionate about there. One of them is consent. And like we said, it's it's... It's not always about the outside peripheral, you know, teaching guys the no is no and stuff like that. It's about teaching young women their confidence to know what they want. And believe me, maybe sometimes I didn't know what I wanted either. But the confidence to be able to say, mm, I'm not sure about that. I'm going to do a little more research on that before I jump in. Or, you know, I'm going to jump in and I'm okay with that. Maybe I won't do it again. You know what I mean? Or, oh, I love that and I'm going to do more. Mm. So I think that there has to be some rhetoric in, and, and I believe that uh, Renee and I are uh, on similar mindsets here where we want to educate women to empower themselves to make their own money, to make their own choices and to be comfortable with their choices and to extend that into their lives. Did I think that when I was shooting softcore porn in the United States that I'd be shooting hardcore porn 20 years later? No. But, you know, it's there. Yeah. And I'm able to do it and I enjoy doing it and there is a market. So <laughs> it's like, uh, and I haven't even really shot that much and my content is minuscule compared to like a lot of other people. If I had time to give my own um, Kylie entity you know, a little bit more time, I would probably do a lot more stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, Belinda comes in and she's like, oh, that's just your 
that's just your hobby on the side. You know, we're doing <laughs> we're doing more important things. We've got shows to run. Tell me about Kylie Wyoti. <laughs> so Kylie, how, how is it having a split? Um, I was going to say split personality. That's not it is a split personality. It's a, it's a, it's a different. Yeah, um, it's an alter ego. Alter ego. So, that's yeah, what I'm alter for. ego. Kylie started because mm. when I was in the states, I I was embarrassed, not embarrassed, but I wanted some space between Kylie and Belinda because I always wanted to do mainstream acting. Little did I know that when the internet came out, straight. But it's Kylie became <laughs> my um, stage name. So Kylie was my best friend's name in Australia, and it's a very Australian name. So I liked Kylie. And Wyoti, as I started to run it through my head, I'm like, I, I started with Kylie Biscayne. And then Biscayne is like in Florida. I loved Florida. It was Biscayne. Um, I ran it through my head a bunch of times and I'm like, Kylie, 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 why? Wiley Coyote? Kylie Wyoti. So I was <laughs> like, Kylie Wyoti, that's it. Um, I wasn't allowed to use it sometimes. Because, because of yeah, I, I think it's Disney. I uh, would be um, now. They own everything. Warner Brothers. Yeah. It was Warner Brothers. Yep. Warner Brothers um, would warn me a couple of times. So, which th we'd shoot the movie, <clears throat> and then uh, you know that they'd put it through for classification or whatever, and they'd write to me, "No, you can't use that name." Okay, but a lot of the time I got it. So I have a couple of them: Kylie Wyoti, Kylie Biscayne, but then. I kind of erased Kylie when I came back to the state to Australia in, I guess it was 2009. Yeah. Um, and Kylie was nowhere for a while. Um, then it started. I, I was kind of when I get bored on the Gold Coast, I go out and then I just start misbehaving. So then it would happen whenever I start misbehaving, I'd be like, "Oh, it's Kylie. It's Kylie. Just just Kylie being naughty." You know yeah. what I mean? So it was just kind of jokey again. And then um, when I started doing OnlyFans. I thought I'm, I don't know, I wasn't working for Sexpo just yet, but I'd committed to it because I'd committed to moving to Melbourne and I thought if I need to make extra money, I'm going to move to Melbourne, I'm going to get my own place and what I can't afford I'm going to make on, on OnlyFans. Right. That was my m manifesting again. So, um, and I used Kylie. So Kylie came back about March 2020. <laughs> right on COVID time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, she exploded again. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a, it was to separate the two. Uh, as COVID continued, uh, you know, I would say to Kevin, who I adore Kevin, he's like a brother to me too. I go, well, you know, you do know I'm on OnlyFans, don't you? Just really quickly. Yeah. I still haven't really had the conversation with him, but... What I found when I when I did work with a lot of the people um, for Sexpo and they knew that I had had uh, a history in the adult industry, you know, they were, they were really happy with that. They were scared that that there was, there was something going to come into the into the um, Sexpo team that was prudish or judgmental, which a lot of people can be, or huh. they try to understand, you know, and they can't really. So I could empathize. Yep. I could empathize. So I really liked that. And I thought, mm, Kevin might be the same, you know, I'm not doing much and, you know, at least I can empathize with people. And then it kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, and I got the um, ambassador award. And then I was like, you know what? Um, Kylie's standing up for a lot of people in the industry that, have to do this that have to have this split personality you know whether it's family whether yep. it's 
work, whether it's colleagues, whether it's this, whether it's that, uh, she represents the fact that all of us have an AKA or, you know, another personality in there that wants to get out. And sometimes it's a shame that we have to hide it from other people, but we do. You know, I mean, I don't really think my dad knows who Kylie Wyote is. Right. <laughs> Does he know about the 37 films? He knows about some stuff. My, my little brother told him that I was a porn star a long time ago. Wow. So that so was before my brother even knew it was fake, I think. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I don't mention it. He obviously knows my job um, and that I'm involved. And, yeah, he knows the peripheral, but I don't sit down there and tell him, oh, you know, I'm on this site, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think he needs to know. Well, that's um, the thing. Who, who does? Exactly. That's uh, only choice. the people that want to pay for my subscription need to know. That's the thing, and it's a choice thing, isn't it? Yeah. If you choose to pay, you choose to pay. Exactly. Yeah. There's nobody pushing or forcing anybody yeah. to do anything from my camp. You know what I mean? It's all because now it's because I want to, and it's hard for me to say, but I'm almost actually proud of everything. Um, I am proud. Uh, because people don't realize how hard it was to even get those movies that I did. Like you had to audition. You have to do the same stuff that you do to go through a normal movie. Yep. You know what I mean? The only difference is that there's a couple of scenes where I might be nude and in a simulated sex scene. Right. It's the same deal. It's the same deal. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, every movie has a sex scene and, and nowadays there's a lot of nudity and there's a lot of, um, I guess, simulated sex scenes in a lot of movies. Well, you look at Netflix now. 100%. It's, I didn't want to mention any particular show, but, uh, but everything. Any, any streaming service, it's it's more than any softcore pornographic film. Yeah, exactly. It really is. You and know? they go through the same thing on yeah. set because uh, I'm not sure when it started, but a friend of mine I used to work with, she is now the intimacy coordinator. Ah, okay. So I was telling you about that. Yeah. That's a new role that they have now for a lot of mainstream and hardcore sets yep. is this intimacy coordinator that makes sure your boundaries are not being crossed, that makes sure you're comfortable with everything that's happening. You know what I mean? Um, because yeah, there, there were, I mean, Nick Manning was a different type of situation. I was all into it, but there were a couple of situations that I had shooting softcore movies. Uh, one was the first movie I shot was, uh, for a French company and they were like, Oh, we can't show any of that. It was my first movie, actually, and <clears throat> I didn't know anything about the patch. And I was fine being naked. I was like, I'm okay being naked. And, you know, there's a cameraman behind me. I'm like, whoa, he's getting a whole butt shot right now. But, and, <laughs> and I was like, they told me that they had, could cut it out. So long story short, um, once the internet came out, uh, someone said to me, oh, yeah, we saw you. You were fully nude in, a, in that movie. I go, what? I don't know. They said they couldn't show that. Well, oh, yeah, it's happened a couple of times. Well, what happened was they brought it out on DVD. They couldn't show that on TV. Ah. But when I signed my life away, I didn't realize when they brought it out on DVD, they could show everything. So that was the first time I was like, oh, that's why they wear that patch. Yeah. So Because if they had got the patch in, they wouldn't have shown that shot. Wow. So that's why I started wearing a patch. Then the next time that this kind of happened was I was on, did a bunch of reality shows, you know, dating shows. I was on American Gladiators as a competitor. That was a massive story, that one. I'll watch that. Yeah. <clears throat> it looked crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. But I did this dating show and it was the fifth wheel and I was, it was the second time I was on it um, and they had this 15-minute room. Same thing. They, 
they said, oh, you can do whatever you want in the 15-minute room. I was like, okay. They feed, feed you drinks all day. You know, there's five people. I was like, oh, I'm going to make out with the guy that I really like in here. So we made out. God knows what else happened in that room. Uh, it was, it's on a bus, actually. So it's this tiny room. It was just hilarious. So um, I don't know. I got a check in the mail for Too Hot for TV for 300 bucks. I was like, what is that for? I'm like thinking, what movie did I do? You know, you, I got residuals, a little bit of residuals here and there for, for some things that were shown on TV and stuff like that. It took me a while to work it out. So once again, they released the DVD of uh, all the stuff in the 15-minute room. So like that an uncut? Uncut version, yeah. Jeez. Too Hot for TV, that's what yep. it was called. Yep. So Because I Googled it. it was at, at that time, finally, I Googled it. And <clears throat> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so... This is what I'm saying about consent and about, you know, knowing like education it doesn't. Yeah, yep. it, it doesn't it. You, you don't when you're that age and when you're doing stuff, you don't think of it. And, and I don't care because that's I'm out there. But some people are, are you know, smoke and mirrors and they're trying to hide this whole side of them. I never tried to hide this sexual being that was inside, you know, but the the other time that really, really taught me a few things uh was one time I was shooting a movie. Um, I was, I only just watched the video of it, so it's like very embedded in my head, and it didn't worry me. I, I forgot about it for many, many years. And uh, I had the patch on. Now these days, I had the patch on. I'm a, I'm a big sweater, so sometimes it's like very sweaty, you know. But I'm in there. I'm in there. We're doing the scene. We're doing the scene. And I'm thinking, is this guy putting his tongue inside me? Like, what's going on here? Like, this is, the cameras are rolling and everything. And I'm still doing the scene. I'm pushing his head away. I'm still doing the scene. I'm like, this is, this fuckwit crazy here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting angry, you know? I'm just like pushing, pushing, pushing. And cut. I'm like, are you right? Like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, well, you know, you were really feeling it. Or, or I thought you wanted me to, to lick you. I'm like, we are on set, dude. I, I, I don't know what part of that you're missing here um he goes oh well it was like you looked like you were enjoying it i'm like are you kidding me here anyway i didn't i've never been um i, I don't even know the word i've never been assaulted i've right. never been my, my boundaries had never been broken like that I, and i understand going back to Epstein. i understand now after time how it sinks in um and you realize wow i didn't really want that to happen Mm. Um, so I went home and I, I thought that was really fucked up. That was so, that's so unprofessional. I'd never really, I'd never worked with any unprofessional. It was all, we'd all had very professional situations. Um, and I turned up on set the next day and the guy came up and talked to me. He's like, Hey, how's it going? I lost it. Like lost it big time. Like, how dare you fucking talk to me? Get the fuck away from me. Blah, 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 blah. And the woman was a producer. Uh, the pr producer was a woman. And I'd worked for them before. And she goes, what's going on? And I told her what, was go what happened. And God bless her. She was amazing. She sent me home, full pay, but I never went back to set. That was it? That was it, yeah. I mean, because she understood that there was a massive problem there. Yeah. And somebody recently asked me about this scene. And I finally Googled it. And I watched it. And I saw what happened. And yeah, I was like, that was the moment I was assaulted. Damn. Because I say assaulted, it's a harsh word. Because there was no, there was no consent. Mm. And I should have stopped. Because the producer said to me, why don't you just stop? I said, well, I needed to finish the scene. 
That's such a, such a professional yeah. right? I said, well, it didn't even cross my mind to stop. But you want your job. You yeah. Know, you're in that it situation. Didn't even, it didn't yeah. even cross my mind to stop. You mm. know what I mean? And that was what, you know, I was willing to be assaulted. And I say it harshly because that's essentially what it was. My boundaries were broken. My boundaries that were set by a professional environment. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think that guy ever worked again because he was kind of a newbie on the scene anyway. He wasn't somebody that I'd worked with or... Yeah. I never saw him again. Uh, and from that day on, I then, I was never that girl that was like, oh, you must do this, you can't do this, you can do this. Well, after that, I became that girl. I became, you can touch here, you can't touch there, you can't yeah. do this, you can do that. I set my boundaries with my performer before we went into a scene, which I never did, because I was like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just cool with everything. And Well, I learned that I wasn't cool with everything. And that's where you start to go, okay. What am I cool with? What am I not cool with? I was not cool with, obviously, uh, full penetration because that's I, – I haven't – I didn't do it. Yep. I have done it now. And actually, when I shoot content now, um, I still act. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Some of this stuff that I do solo on OnlyFans is – I mean, obviously, it's all real. But the actual, like, climaxing and stuff, that it's very – few and far between i shouldn't tell that to my fans but um i'm getting better <laughs> but it's still the actor in me sometimes um that comes out especially when it's when i'm shooting with a bunch of other girls and stuff like i'm very much okay let's get this let's get that da, 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 da. okay we're done now we can have fun yep. kind of thing um and content creating is not always like that you know it's just more real uh but yeah i find that when when there's a big camera in front of me i'm like oh no <laughs> I can make it look like I'm um, climaxing, but I don't know if I really will be. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it it must be because you've done this for so long, yeah. As well, like you've, yeah. you, you know, you've been around this industry for so long. It must be hard not to turn that off. Exactly, it is, you know? and you don't want to. You know what no. I mean? There's a part of me that doesn't want to because I want to make good content. A professional, and, yeah. And I yeah. don't, you know, there's certain things I don't like. Like, what's the point if hair is all in the way? And you know, just certain production things that yep. if you're shooting for somebody as entertainment you know a part of and this is the this is like the magician not telling the tricks right yeah like this it is, really is yeah <laughs> totally because people are always like oh sure it's real i'm like mm. yeah i used to say no it's totally fake totally fake now i'm a bit like well if you think it's real do i want to break that veil you yeah. know what i mean so it's the same thing here it's like to me, when you're entertaining, there's still a bunch of polish to it and there's still a production value, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone, if there are GoPros set up everywhere, I guess, you know, in a more relaxed environment, like maybe it'd be easier for me to be natural, but there's, there is an essence of acting yep. for me. Cause yeah, it is such a, a habit, I guess. Um, and of course, you know, at, at, from the production side, you want to get everything. And time, I'm always under that time clock, you know, <laughs> like that. Yeah, going back to that. Yeah, sort of, going back yeah. to let's hurry. Let's not, it's not hurry, but it is hurry. Hurry, let's get to this part. Let's get to the, to the crescendo. Even more so now, because God, who watches 15 minutes of porn? Nobody. So, you know, you're like four to eight minutes, you know, so. How our attention spans have changed. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just as bad. I watch... Well, I don't. I barely watch TV. I watch Netflix, maybe a bit of news, but I'll scan through reels now. Yeah. Snapchat is fun to watch because it's short. 
you know, like... Yeah, 15 seconds, it's, exactly, it's go, go, go. Exactly, yeah. it is. And, you know, how that's going to parlay into the future is the question. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting. It's, it's such an interesting, like, time. Yeah. Like, is it, especially, especially, we've been through a few different times, you know, like, um, at this time, there's just such a rapid change in technology. Totally. And attention. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where it and goes. And production value. You know, look at the iPhones. Look at, you know, you don't need yeah. it. You can, every, everyone everyone can do their own productions now. Correct. Yep. Uh, so you don't need a production company. You don't need all of this money to do everything. And and it's put... So it's, keep that keep that quiet. I am a production business. But <laughs> well, you know what I mean? But yeah, you In do. the yep. States. Oh, no, not in the States, but anywhere yeah. where you had to have those massive cameras, you know. Yeah. Tape. Well, that's reels, right. Yeah. You know, like... You so make you a mistake, yeah, VCHS, hell yeah. Damn, that's right. That would have been different. <laughs> well, it was because you make – that's how I became a one-shot wonder. Yeah. Because you're wasting tape. Yeah. I didn't think of that part, but yeah. Yeah. There's no – you know, here it's like, oh, you're just using up data. So Yeah, let's we, just delete let's that, that one again. I'm still like, I don't want to do it again. Like, let's get this in four. Efficiency, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise then you've got to, what, erase them or, you know, then it becomes confusing. If you could do two to four good takes – Yep. Then you've only got two to four to choose from. That's right. When you've got ten to choose from, you're like, oh, which one was the mistake? Which one was, yeah, yeah. which one's shitty? Which one's not so shitty? When you've only got four shots to choose from, you can choose very easily which was the good shot. If if we haven't got the shot, I'll say let's do it again. Yep. But yeah. When you're in that world, right? Back in the mid two thousands, when you got out and went to like a normal function, <laughs> how, how we started this conversation last week. How did like how did you adapt though? Because you you get it out, is, yeah. it'd it, be weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's weird. So, I think I was mentioning a story to you where my best friend and I, who I'd shot con, uh, movies with, yeah. Amy Amy Lindsay, she's a huge uh, softcore star. She and I went to Mexico with a group of people. One of the guys was the guy, the son who owned Jack Daniels. So it was. I'm just telling you that because it was a big production, yep. a big house. There was actually two big houses, uh, about two dozen people, like a dozen in each house. And they were friends of hers from Texas. Great, fun people, like totally fun people. But as I call them, vanilla. <laughs> We'd just come off of a full porn set, um, two weeks of shooting porn probably. And we were hanging out with civilians. That's what you call them. When you're yep. in porn, you're, that's your reality. When you go out of that, you hang out with civilians. And it's a different world. You know, civilians don't say, oh, yeah, I love that ATM that they were doing on set. And they're like, what? That's ass to mouth. You know, like, it's just like having lube everywhere and condoms. And uh, this actual set that we were on, Amy and I, we were in Malibu shooting. And Amy and I had to go to the grocery store. So it's a smaller grocery store in Malibu. We had to buy douche, lube, and cigarettes. Oh, and water. So there were the four things that we had to buy for set. Right. So here we are, like we've got a whole, you know, $400 worth of douche, lube, <laughs> water, and cigarettes. 400 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We're like, it's seven o'clock in the morning too. We're just Jeez. starting. So we're saying to the, there's people in there just looking at us. We're like, yeah, we're your bed. We're going to have a really good day today. We're like, <laughs> just got to get our beer, you know, like, um, and you, you joke differently, you know what I mean? You do start to realize it. But it was this time that we went to Mexico after being on set for two weeks, I guess, and yeah. that I finally realized, wow, we are different. Because, <laughs> yeah, we showed up. We were, like, scantily clad. We had dildos. We were, like, throwing things around. We were, like, total potty mouths. And these people were just, like, 
um, where did you guys come from? <laughs> like, we just came from LA and shitting porn and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, just, I remember looking down on myself going, wow, yeah, you guys just exploded into that party. And I mean, we made a mark. I'm still friends with most of the people that were there with us. Um, but it is different. It's a yeah. completely different world. And I learned it very quickly because I was very close with the producers, uh, especially of porn. And those girls, I shouldn't say those girls, some girls who wanted other jobs on set, leading roles, just to work in specific movies, uh, would do anything to get those. And what we forget sometimes is that a sex worker's commodity is sex. So they would do anything to get the role, you know what I mean? So there was, whenever you were out, we would be at lunch and some girl would turn up and she thinks she's gonna get the role and then she would just be completely lewd, completely out of control to try to get this role. And you know, the, the producers knew what was going on. Yeah. I think that's why they were producers. But uh, yeah, when you step outside of that, you realize that that's their reality and not everyone else's reality. Wow. And it's, it's, a, it's very like, I found myself a lot of the time having to decompress when I got off set a lot. Uh, and then also when you've been shooting porn, uh, you're, you're a bit numb, you know what I mean? So like, I don't really watch porn. Well, I don't watch porn, I make porn. That was yeah. always, yeah. Um, what excites me, yeah, lots of things but I don't watch porn to get excited. I mean, I probably could tell you um, a few months ago on my phone maybe, you know what I mean? But it's not, I know that a lot of people nowadays have maybe a problem because they can't get excited without watching porn. Um, but I think that's part of the residue is that now that I know, and that's why those secrets are a bit like, you know. It's like the magician thing. Isn't yeah, it? it's it really totally is. like the magician yep. thing. And the more porn that you watch, the more numbed you are by it. For me, yep. other people have a different experience. Uh, and so being a civilian in the porn world was like at first a little eye-opening. I took like a duck to water to it. And was like, then I'd come out and be like, oh, God, I'm one of them now. And am I a civilian? Am I in porn? Like what am I doing? But it is a, it is a vast difference at times. And... You know, I'd go ha do ca porn karaoke, we called it. It was in Burbank. I'd do porn karaoke in Burbank. And by the end of the night, everyone's drunk and clothes are off everywhere. <laughs> you know, I'd do porn karaoke in Hollywood with my straight friends and they're all puking because they're sick of, from drinking. You know what I mean? But it was a vastly different world wow. that um, I chose to step in and out of a lot of times. What I, what I like about chatting to people like yourself and and I, I feel this way of myself is there's no no regrets in anything. Oh, you, yeah. You just move forward, forward, yeah. forward. There's nothing. No regrets. Is that how you always lived? Yeah. You've always been like that? I have always been like that. There's no regrets. It's just I, like charged. Yeah. You know, my dad is um, not so well right now and he's been saying some really mean things to me. And sometimes I'm affected by them and sometimes I'm like, you know what? He's got no idea. So it's a bit like that with regrets. Sometimes I'm like, should I regret this? And then I'm like, why? Yep. Who did I hurt? Nobody. What is, you know, is there a bad side of this? You know what I mean? Like I've kind of weighed it up like that. And no, even when it came to um, the shooting of the erotic movies that I've shot, you know, I was good friends with some big names in Hollywood. And one of my friends, 
um, said to me, Talia Shire, actually, she was like, oh, you should never have done nudity. You're never going to get anywhere in mainstream. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. But I have returned from the United States after 25 years. I have 37 movies, seven TV shows. How many people have that to show? When a lot of Australians say, I'm going to go to the States and try my hand in acting. Yep. Not a lot end up with 37 movies and seven TV shows. That uh, they're of an erotic genre, some of them. Like, who cares? I didn't care about being nude. I didn't care about, you know, the the porn star stigma that I now have because, you know what, I've elevated it into owning it and to making more money off of it. So there's a lot of times where in your life you're, like, being judged by somebody else uh, and, and my own self-worth and confidence yep. was like, hmm. I don't think you're right. Yeah. You question it, but don't regret it. Yeah. Sort of like that. Exactly. The, um, a lot of people just go over and get the headshots. That's <laughs> yeah. as far as it gets. Headshots. And go to a class. Go to a class yeah. and that's as far. Yeah. Let alone audition. do what you've done. Yeah, audition multiple times. And realize times. how difficult it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Super difficult. I think that during my young, uh, younger years, like from when I was in 21, I turned 21 about a month after I moved there. So... I was auditioning and shooting and I still shot a lot of stuff, like I said, that probably never made it to the internet. Yep. Uh, but I was also illegal. So I was going to auditions and that manifesting in the back of my head was like, if you get the job, how are you going to take the job? If you, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So that for me was a huge block and I knew it because as soon as I was legal to work, once I got... Um, I was still on modeling mm. visas, but as soon as I got visas, I'd get massive chunks of work because I was able to work. Yep. Um, and, and in between times, um, I had realized that I'd kind of blocked myself because I was scared. Well, it was always a rhetoric in my head like, oh, you don't even have a visa. How do you think you're going to get this job? But there was another side of me going, just go for it. Just go for it. Let them work it out. You know what I mean? Like, so there was always that kind of juxtable of like, you know, the, on my shoulders, like, just go for it and you're never going to get this. Just go for it. The two voices. Yeah, yep. exactly. Mm. It was an interesting, interesting time because then I'd be like, well, what are you doing? How are you going to get your visa again then? You know, so it's always like a, a thing that going around and around and around. And then when the time came that I finally had a visa, I was personal training at the time because in 2000 I had realized that I didn't want to stay up late, so... I decided not to bartend anymore, so I started working at the gym, my yep. friend's gym who I rode horse, rode rodeo oh, with. okay, yeah. So a number of other gyms, yeah, and that was amazing because then I had more time to, I guess, audition, I thought. And then the personal training became like a lot for me and I did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work and wasn't doing much else. Um, but it was an amazing time as well because I worked in Hollywood and... I trained like a lot of, I guess, powerful people, especially in that industry and got to know or glean off them like a lot of information as well, which, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So is Hollywood Overhaul your, yeah. that's your business? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Interesting. So that's, that's your training, training, training yeah. business. Yeah. Well, you've got so many different things. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few things going on. Um, I think that I'll always be a personal trainer. Yep. The event managing thing, that's why I love Paul so much because I never saw that as a real job. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> like, I just was like, that's what I do. Like I can have a party 
and organize it in a heartbeat. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it just comes very natural to me. So when there was construction uh, structure and uh, you know I was managing events out at the driving center, I was like, wow, this is really easy to me. Yeah. And then when I was working with Travis uh, and Sexpo, I was like, this all of this comes quite naturally to me. So. So it's not like a job. No, it's not like a job. It's just what I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And moving forward, like. It, I feel event spaces are going to be coming back when it does. Yeah. People are going to be screaming for things like tattoo shows and Absolutely. Like sexpo and Absolutely. things like that. Really. I think also, you know, there's there's always going to be a spot for real life shows. Yes. But the thing that's opening up incredibly now is obviously the online platforms. So Aussie fans having, you know, an entertainment platform, you know, even the metaverse stuff. Like the, have you ever done the – VR? VR stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a, a, a couple of things here on the Gold Coast. What do you think? Tell me about it. I think I think it's huge. Yeah. I think it's huge in a lot of ways. It's very exciting, obviously. And then there's a side of me that says it's very disappointing. It's very exciting. <laughs> we tried to do a lot of stuff with Travis to be able to get more. We couldn't have more people at the party because of the venue. Yeah. So we are always talking about streaming and, and things like that. And, and back then... It was expensive, you know, even virtual reality was expensive. But we talked about, you know, being able to allow people to come into the space through a virtual platform. Yep. Uh, and it was really, that's really exciting, you know what I mean? To be able to have a party for 1,200 people, but to be able to have another 20,000 people, like, in a virtual space is it was, like, mind-blowing to, you know, talk about it. To be able to kind of move forward now, I think, in these times where it's going to be more... Um, more budget friendly yep. will now expand it uh, because imagine I'm a worldwide I'm, I'm like international you know what I mean like not just me but how I think is like yeah there's billions of people on this planet yep. they all want to be entertained and they're all watching from some retrospect you know what I mean like you don't get a million followers from you know from America they're from all over the world for sure yep. so Thinking about that from an event perspective, like I went to Tomorrowland with Travis, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Wow. Uh, we, we did lots of research on it and I've been involved with DJs and things like that as well. And that whole festival is like just an amazing thing. But there's like over 100 people that go to that festival. So imagine being able to expand it like virtually to have – a million people as well, you know what I mean? Like, not just for entertainment value, but the promoters <laughs> and the producers, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because everyone has to pay like a certain money. I don't know, it's just like cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. So that's kind of where my brain goes with all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and even just getting back to Sexpo, you know, we have a, a certain, as we were, you know, having to go through COVID and things like that, restrictions was something that, we can't have to have a good show. Now we've opened up the conversation about other things and, and the way we run shows and events yep. and, you know, streaming and things like that have kind of been on the platform and, and now it's all just becoming one, you know what I mean? So yep. it has to be a, a hybrid event really. And for, I think, the producers of, of events and things like that, I think that in the long run we're going to maybe thank COVID I say that like lightly, but 
because we've had to learn new ways. For sure. We've had to discover new technologies and we've had to, you know, pivot and think, okay, how can we still do this stuff and make it work for not just the, the fans but for the consumers and for the businesses that are involved with it. For sure. Because yeah. all of that restrictions, it doesn't work and all of the shutdowns and, and lockdowns and stuff doesn't work because it just throws a, a economical time bomb to everybody and nobody wants to go through what we've been through for the past 12 months, uh, two years. Yeah, no, two years Two now. years almost. January yeah. of March 20, like March you said. March 20, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and, and I, I, like, that's my space, the video stuff and we've done it, I've done a little bit of VR stuff with, with work and I just see where that's going. Yeah. And that's exciting. It's exciting. You know, and uh, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to that stuff, I'll admit it, but um, a lot of people don't like going out. They, they don't it's like it worse. much anymore. Yeah, it's exactly. getting worse. I, I'm a going out person, yeah, but it's getting worse. Absolutely. There's a lot of people would rather do it from home, and there's still, which can happen. Yeah, there's still a lot of people previous to COVID that felt that way. Yeah. You know, I knew a lot of people that, and I'm not sure how good it is for us, but that's just me. You know, I like, I like that's why I think the, um, the, Real space will be like the VIP room, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, the social space. Yeah, the yep. social, real touch, feel space will be like, you know, like the VIP room. So you can only a certain number of tickets, you know what I mean? Yep. And and that em, that environment and that experience yep. will be like, you know, like your bucket list experience, you know. So people will be like, oh yeah, I want to go to the candy shop mansion, and I want to go. I, I, it already is a bucket bucket list mm. experience but you can't really get into the candy shop mansion it's not that easy so unless you're a girl but let's say sexpo you know what i mean i want to go to the touch and feel sexpo space they'll there'll only be a certain number of tickets yep because we'll live in this world that is restricted slightly you know that is scared if we had thirty thousand people through the door um but who knows? I mean, hopefully we will all, you know, maybe you have to be, maybe you have to quarantine for an hour before you go in. Oh, jeez, imagine that, eh? <laughs> you have to get a job and you quarantine just before you go in. Like we did just before we came in here. Yeah. <laughs> Two yeah. hours quarantine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's exciting. It's, it's got to be. Because if you look at it the other way, we're not going to come, we're not going to learn anything from it and we're not going to come away with anything exciting out of it. Exactly. And there'll be exciting things to come from it. Yeah. So. There has to be, you know, um, I'm always someone who, if you're handed lemons, I make lemonade to start, but usually it's break out the tequila. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should have that this morning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well it is a bit early. <laughs> no. Not really? No. Not for tequila. Never. Never for well, tequila. Well, we did see the beer fridge or the bar over here that were like, oh, should we have this early? But um, yeah. Where can people find you online? So online, I'm at Belinda Gavin or Belinda yep. underscore Gavin on Instagram. Yep. Belinda Gavin is at Facebook. Yep. Kylie Wyote twenty twenty. Yeah. Instagram. Yep. Kylie's on Facebook as well, but they're all there. All you have to do actually is Google me. It'll Google Belinda up. Gavin. Everything will come up. Google Belinda Gavin videos. A lot more will come up. <laughs> <laughs> and what about um, Aussie fans? How do we find that? Aussie fans is www.aussiefans.com. Sexpo, www.sexpo.com.au. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all coming back. Like we're about to sit down and talk about what 2022 looks like for Sexpo and the uh, tattoo expos. Yep. And that will be exciting. So I believe that there'll be some hybrid stuff going on. Awesome. Um, and hopefully Sexpo will get to Brisbane. 
Uh, it may take a little while to get back, but they'll definitely be coming to Brisbane, yeah. Sydney, Melbourne, and Perth. Perth, I'm dying to get to Perth. Perth will be cool. Perth has got such a culture to it. Yeah. Like a different one. Yeah, so, completely. Which is cool. It so. is. Well, thanks. It thanks has so been much. amazing, amazing having a chat and rehashing my whole life, which sometimes it's nice to talk about. And sometimes, you know, I forget how amazing I have had it. Um, not through anything but hard work and determination, Shit, yeah. but it doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? No, no. It doesn't just happen. So it, it just reminds me of how hard I have worked and how far I have come. And thank you for that because everyone needs to uh, have a little pat on the back for themselves every now and again. Damn straight. And it's cool to talk to positive people. Thank you. That's all we have time for on today's show. If you get the chance, head over to YouTube and hit subscribe on our channel. The other places you can find us are on Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast. Uh, give us a rating and a review. Tell your friends and uh, be safe, everyone, and enjoy your week.